Welcome back to Door to Door Success Stories. Here today with Donnie Mosier. So anyway, welcome, bro. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy that uh, we got together. I remember uh, when we were in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and you were like a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed pestrep. And uh, I don't know if you remember when we were knocking together and we had that crazy experience of gay guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they were well. hitting on us so hard. Mostly you. <laughs> no, I still tell that story. That's a good one, dude. <laughs> Such really, a funny story. I, I don't even know if I can tell the particulars here, but they were being very descriptive of what they wanted. Yeah. Highly inappropriate. <laughs> highly inappropriate. Um, you know, all good though. We moved on. <laughs> yeah. So cool, man. So yeah, so we, we go back sold together, but let's start if we could, well, okay, let me, all right, Donnie Moser, president of sales at Aptive. Yes, that's where you are now. How, how big is your org these days? So last year, uh, I think we had around 2,000 total reps, yeah, you know, yeah. start off, so. Love it, okay, so yeah. obviously killed it. Been in the game since, like, since you got home from your mission, right? That was 2011? Ooh. No, 2014. No, 2014. 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 2014. I, I, I uh, came home from my mission, went to BYU, mm-hmm. and got into the game. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll start at the. I felt like I needed to say at least a little something. So okay. So let's go back, Donnie. You grew up in California. Yes? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, whereabouts exactly? Ukiah, California. Okay. Where's this, that? It's this little uh, little town, kind of up near San Bernardino on your way out to the desert, like Palm Springs, it's kind of tucked up next to these mountains called the San Bernardino Mountains, and nobody knows what it is. It's pretty small. People ride horses, they ride dirt bikes, and they play baseball or football there. That's kind of that's kind of what, what people do in Ukaipa. <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I wanted you to explain, because, you know, Southern California, I guess, but like the desert, though, right? It's not some L.A. conventional thing people think of. Dude, I, I was driving down there not long ago, and I got caught in the craziest like wind and rainstorm it almost tore the door off my car when i went to fill up is it windy down there is that normal yeah so you get the santa ana winds that come through there yeah so there's there's periods where it gets really windy like crazy windy actually cool okay so you're growing up there um you're in high school you, you, you played like basketball or something right uh yeah played basketball yeah cool. big part of my life growing up love it and then let's just jump into the uh the job you you know which job i'm speaking of i remember you got a pretty dude i actually love this story you get into sales it's not door to door but it is it's vector marketing yes. selling cutco kitchen knives all right now uh why'd you do it like just answered an ad or what you know that's a that's a really good question so there's two key things i think with high school with me i got into a lot of trouble yeah i didn't make a lot of good decisions same I, I was kind of, I was kind of the kid that would like, you know, be really good in front of my parents and like say all the right things. And then when I was on, on my own with my friends, I had like a totally different life and it was actually kind of destructive. I got caught for everything I did in high school when I had been at college a semester. <laughs> my, my parents just like heard some stuff and like the whole curtain drop was like, wow. Yeah. I, I, uh, I never got caught. 
well, I did a little bit when I was younger, but as I got older as a teenager, older in high school, I was able to, to not get caught with things, but it, it was horrible. Good dude. job. No, I'm just it, <laughs> yeah. Don't recommend this dude. Just live, live, live true, man. Live true. Don't live a lie. I mean, it, it was, it was bad. So I was really good at basketball growing up. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, I, uh, dude, I just be frank with you, freshman, sophomore year, I was moved up and I played really well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I ended up getting moved down. Um, and I, I was, I was captain of my junior varsity team. Um, you know, one of the leading scores, you know, had, had a ton of success. And then honestly, I just stopped practicing and I started doing all the mischievous stuff that yeah. the teenagers do totally distracted me. And there's actually this moment where my senior year I was playing and um, we were in a game and we were playing our rival high school and we're going back and forth and I wasn't really getting a lot of playing time at that at that point in like crucial games. Mm-hmm. And my coach called on me and was like, hey, get in there. And it's about four minutes left in the fourth quarter, three minutes left in the fourth quarter. I was shocked to go in and he basically had a division one uh you know, prospect on their team mm-hmm. puts me in. He's like, I want you to shut that guy down. So my job was to go in there for a minute, two minutes, and just like make make life hell for that guy, right? Yeah. So he's he's obviously been playing the whole game. I'm pretty fresh, and I just went at it. And we went on like a press him all the way up the court and stuff. Yeah, just full uh, yeah. court pressure, like in his in his face, just yeah. the whole way. We went on like an eight zero run, six zero run. I can't really remember what it was, and uh, we start catching up. And there's about a minute left in the game, 45 seconds left in the game. I get the ball in the corner, which was my spot. I shoot it, and the ball rims in and out, and then, you know, goes on. And we ended up, I think one of our teammates missed a few free throws. We ended up losing the game by one point. Oh, Devastating. Our rival high school, we ended up missing the playoffs because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look back on that experience in high school and, like, I was living, I was kind of living that dual life, right? I was really unhappy. I, I was kind of lost. And so um, at the end of the season, there was nothing left to do. And so I needed to get a job. Yeah. And uh, my parents were big on like us being independent. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I just, I got a letter in the mail from Vector and I heard through the grapevine that they hire everyone. And I was oh, like, a letter in the mail. There's a letter in the mail. So they're like marketing to recruit. They would mail letters to all the high school and college students in the area. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, get, I get this letter and I'm like, I don't feel like applying at the mall. All my friends had jobs at the mall or whatever. And I was like, I'm not going to apply. You know, I'm going to. Dude, applying sucks when you're a kid. Applying is intimidating. So if they just send a letter to your house, I would be like, oh, done. Yeah. I'll do this job. <laughs> yeah. So I, I show up. I show up and they're like acting like they're all impressed with me, like, oh, you're so sharp and you're so good. And I'm like, yeah, I am, you know. <laughs> I totally, I totally like feed into it. You know, I, I believe everything they say. And uh I show up for training the next week. Mm-hmm. And my manager's name was Matt Ewan. I love that guy. I still respect him. I messaged him last week and just told him thank you for for everything he did for me when I was 18. Yep. And um, he's like, hey, first like th- first three days of training, he's like, hey, I think that you can beat the record for the most sales in the first 10 days. It's called the fast start. Like, I think yeah. you can do it. Okay. And I was kind of lost living living both lies, li- living living a dual life. And, and uh, 
And I, you know, I, I stopped practicing basketball and I attribute a lot of my lack of success, my junior and senior year of basketball to not practicing, not being dedicated, not knowing who I was, not having any principles that I stand on, not having worth work ethic, just kind of being like a, just being a lazy kid. Yep. And Matt Ewan, when he told me that, I don't know what it was, but it triggered this fire inside me, like... Like I have potential. Mm-hmm. Like I can do things. Like I can be a high performer. Yeah, I can and, be a high performer. I can I can go out and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I I did. I I went out and I sold a crap ton of Cutco those first ten days. It was spring break. Yeah. For high school, and I was like, okay, instead of spring break and and partying, I'm gonna I'm gonna go hard and sell some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you had to buy this sample kit, and my parents were so against sales, and they didn't want me to do this job. That I went to my neighbor's house and I lied to my neighbor and I said, Hey, um, I have this like fundraiser for school. My mom's not home. Can I get a check from you for 150 bucks? And then in two weeks or a week, like when I can talk to my mom, I'll pay you back because the sample kit, it might have been 500 bucks. I don't remember what it was. And so, so I, I swindled my neighbor for 500 bucks. <laughs> And I get this sample kit, <laughs> and I go out in my first 10 days, I sell $10,000 worth of Cutco, and I get a check for $3,000. Boom. And I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing. I go pay my neighbor back, because uh, my parents never would have been cool with it. Yeah. And I'm off to the races, and I just, I'm just making money. And I'm 18, and I'm... You That's know, a ton of money when you're 18. Yeah, I'm 18. Yeah. None of my friends have any of that money, and... That's where things took off. I started reading books, started started getting myself better, and uh, you know. Anyways, and this is before kinda, your mission. Before yeah, this your is mission, all before my mission. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you think you were good at it? Ooh, that's a dang good question. Do you want to like being truthful with you? They had this manual, uh-huh. and I just followed the manual exactly. Like our close was now. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you the following question. Would you like a set in white or would you like a set in black? Uh, <laughs> and it was like the cheesiest like yeah. clothes ever. But I just followed that that line exactly. Yep. And then, you know, they say, you know, drop down slowly. And I just followed it exactly. And they said, show up on Thursday night so you can call your leads. And I showed up on Thursday night and I called my leads. Yeah. Um, so I just did what the program taught and then it worked. And And I think, honestly, a lot of people don't succeed because they don't do what the company teaches yeah dude I'm, I'm a big process guy we have a we have scripts we expect to memorize and people are like yeah this is like loose right like you kind of like paraphrase i'm like no go freaking memorize that thing yeah verbatim i mean we'll go from there maybe paraphrase some stuff later but no you are going to memorize that and people are always like oh wow that's that's super structural i'm like yes exactly yeah cool love it okay so you're killing it at cutco graduate high school and then what do you do so i go on a mission yep so I go on a mission, mm-hmm. and um, I'm in the MTC, yeah. and I'm going to get real vulnerable with you. I've never, I've never shared this publicly before. It's been a long time, and so I'm going to, I'm going to share it. But uh, I'm in the MTC, and you know, in 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 the church that I go to, you know, you have to uh, be worthy, you know, yeah. to be to be serving and to like do certain things in the church, right? Mm-hmm. So to be a missionary, you have to, you know, not have made, you know, like some some sins with, uh, you know, 
At least not recently. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You you can always repent, and you can always, like, be clean and redeemed. We believe that Jesus Christ, like, cleanses anything and fixes everything, right? Yep. Um, but there's, like, a process to it, right? Yep. As far as, like, having positions in a church. So to be a missionary in the church, you have to be worthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of those steps when you've committed, like, pretty egregious acts is mm-hmm. to, you know, confess, you know, your sins. And so um, I'm just feeling tormented. I'm like, how can I be a missionary when right. I've done A, B, C, D? You know, I just feel awful about myself. Mm-hmm. So um, I go, <laughs> I, uh, it's like, it's like a couple of days before I leave to Argentina. I'm in this like missionary training center. Yeah. And I tell my friends, I'm like, hey guys, I don't want to, I don't like, I actually was having like really bad um, bowel movements Yeah. and had hemorrhoids. Yeah. And so I had to go get a colonoscopy because I was like finding blood in my stool. This oh, is geez. like, this is super vulnerable. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is, this is bad news. You're getting hit by all the stuff, the guilt and the hemorrhoids. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I just think it's, it's good to be raw. So I'm just yeah. going to be raw and like real right now. So yep. I tell everybody, I'm like, Hey, I don't, uh, I don't want to go to the devotional tonight, but if it's an apostle or a prophet, you know, like the top, top leader in our church, like, let me know and I'll, and I'll go to it. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they come get me and I go into this, this big reunion with all these missionaries. There's hundreds of us, thousands of us, maybe even. Yeah. And, uh, there's an apostle that comes and he's like, Hey, I have this speech tonight. Uh, but before I get into my speech, I want to show a couple of slides of missionaries that went home because they weren't worthy. Uh, or living up to standard, and they went back out on their missions. Because my biggest fear was if I go out on my mission and I come home, come home, my parents are going to disown me, my grandparents are going to disown me. I was so scared. That'll be like the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So um, he showed slide one. He showed slide two. He showed slide three, and it's literally straight up exactly what I was thinking in my brain, like an exact like story, the exact thought process. So I'm like hitting the heart and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this thing. So the next day I get like a notebook and paper out and I write everything down and I'm just like, Hey, here, <laughs> yeah. here, here it all is. Oh. Um, so I end up, uh, I end up going home a couple mm-hmm. days later. Mm-hmm. My parents were super, super loving. Mm-hmm. My dad actually told me, he's like, Hey, it takes a real man to do what you did. Mm-hmm. Takes true courage. And I thought he was going to be like really upset. Yeah. And so I, uh, I talked to a stake president, which is like a local leader. And Mm -hmm. he's like, Hey, I've got this thing set up like locally where you can still serve. You just won't be like full time or whatever. Yeah. And it it ended up being full time, but like it wasn't, uh, didn't start that way. It wasn't official. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm waiting three months. They say three months, you'll be able to go on your mission in Argentina. It drags out, ends up being a whole year. And as you're waiting, you're with like a, a local missionary. I'm working, with a local missionary. Working. I'm a companion to a local missionary. We're speaking yeah. Spanish, full night, like full on missionary. So you're work. basically doing it. I'm doing the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, doing the whole thing. So uh, we had to write. We had to write letters to the prophet actually to get approved for me to go to Argentina. So yeah. finally, he, he, you know, they reply and say I can go. But it's like been a year at this point. Okay. Um, and then Argentina, you know, said they couldn't find my paperwork, so then it drags out a little longer. Um, anyway, so my my uh, 
mission president calls and I guess I had the option to stay in California or go anywhere in the, in the States. Mm-hmm. And I ended up choosing just to stay in my mission. And then a couple of weeks later, my wife comes in, finish my mission for next year and a half or whatever. What's crazy though, is, uh, I go to, I go to, uh, after my mission, I go to this conference and mm-hmm. one of the apostles, the same apostle that like gave that thing at the beginning of my mission is in this conference. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Hey, if you want to meet this guy, like come shake his hand. I go up there and I ever tell him my name or anything. And I'm like, Hey, uh, you gave this talk on this date, saved my life, totally changed me, made me feel like totally worthy, clean, mm-hmm. you know, help me believe in Jesus, you know, like yeah. changed my life, like gave me like faith, gave me foundation, made me feel like I could just live a full life. That's true. Yeah. And he says to me, he says, oh, Elder Mosier, we love you. Pulls me in, gives me a huge hug. And uh, that's kind of how, how it all ended, coming full circle. Ever since then, I, I've, uh, I've always just been true to, like, what I believe. You know, obviously mm-hmm. you make little mistakes here or there, but um, totally changed my life. Yeah. Totally changed my life. Stopped doing a lot of, a lot of bad things from that whole experience. It's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so that's that's the three year mission. Yeah, I was like, how do you serve three year mission? Like, well, that, that's how you serve three. Yeah, we were we were joking before we started started filming. You know, the the long version, which is beautiful, is what Donnie just shared. The short version is uh, Donnie Mosier served a three year mission and baptized two hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> that's Wait. the that's the legend that you just hear colloquially from one person to the other. Yeah, here here in Utah, it probably gets some traction. Everywhere else, it's probably not a big deal. Nobody gets it, but. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, that's the uh, that's the story. Yeah, love it. So you know, and I talked about this with with our friend Brandon just recently. Before I say what I'm going to say next, I give my little disclaimer. So you know, I don't I don't like talking about missionary work like as like a sales endeavor too much. It gets a little weird. It's the Lord's message. It's the Lord's work, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But obviously, if you're organized, hardworking, personable, you can do more of it, right? So. You know, do you feel like that that served you that way? Yeah. So one thing I was really good at at Cutco was getting referrals. So when I was a missionary, I crushed it at getting referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think the thing that I learned on my mission was just being bold, mm. being uh, being true to my conviction. Yeah. And just going for it. Going for it. You know, going for it, and just like really like having conviction and believing what what you're what you're saying, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that, that carries over when you get into sales, mm-hmm. you know, I think the big difference between, with, between sales and, you know, missionary work is just, there's a huge spiritual aspect yeah. to being a missionary. And I think the, the spirituality of it is really like the, the key to the whole thing, mm-hmm. but there are things that you learn like hard work, being mm-hmm. disciplined, doing things that you don't want to do. Uh, and then doing them anyways, yes. you know, being strict to like a regiment and sticking with habits, building good habits, all that stuff comes uh, and, and helped me when I, when I got home. So love it. Cool. So you get home, this is, uh, 2014, we said earlier and what happens next? Yeah, it's 2014. I come home, I go back to my Cutco office, it's a guy named Charles running the office now, Matt like left and started his own restaurant. Yeah. Um, 
One big thing Matt told me that I've always found to be very, very true is if you prioritize, plan, and organize, you can accomplish everything you want in life, and you don't have to give up certain things in order to get certain things. Okay, say the three things again. That's prioritize stuck with me. Prioritize, If plan. you prioritize, plan, and organize, yeah. you can fit everything you possibly want in your life. Cool. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's time for everything if you, like you know, piece it all together mm-hmm. and plan, prioritize. Dude, that, dude, that I, I've lived by that for a long time. So like, uh, I actually, I don't really have it anymore, but when I was a kid, when I was like a teenager, I was one of those people who couldn't go to sleep because I would be thinking about what I have to do the next day. You know, it's like a form of anxiety, right? Yeah. But, uh, somewhere along the line, I just kind of decided like, okay, I will make a list I will decide what order I have to do it in. And then there's almost like an affirmation you do with it. It's like, okay, is this the whole list? Yes. Is there enough time in the day tomorrow to do all of this? Yes. Do I know how to do all of this? Yes. Okay, I can go to bed then. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, cool. So love that. So, okay, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. So that was just a little nugget from Matt, and uh, I'll always remember that from from Matt. Uh First, that he inspired me to be better. And he was like the first catalyst that kind of helped me believe who I could be. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, that was a good piece of advice that he gave. Um, So I get home. Mm -hmm. I'm at BYU. Uh, Sorry, I'm in California. I'm selling for Charles. And then I moved to Utah after about a month and a half. Yeah, pretty quick. And California, I'm slinging Cutco. I'm selling tons of deals. Love all my customers. You know, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Manager, have like, you know. Have all the like, have the swag. You know, everybody looks up to me. You know, right. And I moved to Utah, and I didn't want to transfer offices to Utah. I wanted to stay with my local guys, but what ended up happening is moving to Utah. It just was harder to sell. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't like really like doing as well. What was yeah. crazy though is I started looking at doing like a janitor job at BYU, uh-huh. and I was like, that pays worse than me selling and I'm selling like garbage right now. Yeah. Even selling bad. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, sales is where it's at. Mm-hmm. And all these summer sales companies start calling me and I'm denying all of them because I'm just I'm loyal to Cutco. Yeah. And now now did did you just meet these guys from around or did they like recruit you from Cutco because they had heard or something? Uh, different different people reached out from different situations. Like mm-hmm. one guy, you know, knew who I was. Had moved to Utah, called me, ah. and it was like a small pest company. And I, I I was like, no, I'm good, you know. And then didn't even do a meeting. And then I did a couple other meetings and stuff. Wasn't really interested. I thought selling pest control door to door that sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Like yeah. nobody buys pest control door to door. And you know, growing up, my dad was you know, the biggest do-it-yourselfer. So I, that's just what my, what my paradigm was, right? Mine too. Mine too. Yeah. And so I, I just had no, had no interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I started selling worse and worse. And there, the, dude, there were nights that like I was crying because I was paying for all my own bills. I was completely independent. I refused to ask my parents for help. I was determined to go to college and get married and do everything as an adult mm-hmm. with nobody's help, Yeah, which is why I went to BYU because the tuition was cheap. Yeah. Like, I'm, I don't need anybody. Like, I'm going to make my own way with this. And there were nights where it was stressful, dude. Like, I didn't have money. I was, you know, I remember one time, like, me and my, my now wife, but she's my girlfriend at the time, like, we couldn't get ice cream at the store and a Redbox movie. You know, I don't yeah. know if anybody uses Redbox. It's either or. <laughs> but it was like, we had to choose one or the other, like a buck 50 or 350. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't manage both. 
Um, Me and my wife always reminisce on going grocery shopping when we were newlyweds. And I would make her get like off-brand stuff. Like instead of just getting, I don't know, like the good milk or butter or something, we were getting <laughs> Western family, you know? Yeah. It's tough times, man. Yeah. It, it's tough when you're selling for food. You yeah. know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Totally. I, there was this one time I, uh, so at Cutco, you have to, you have to sell a certain amount to get like 20% of your commission. So it's like 50% commission, but it's 30 as a base. And then you have to hit a quota to get it up uh, to 50 like every a, month. Like a draw kind of. Yeah, yeah. So we do this, uh, it's like the last Saturday of the month mm -hmm. and I'm like two grand short. Oof. And you know, my average order size was like $300 and I had five demos set that day. And in California, I would close like 80% of my demos. And in Utah, I was only closing like 30% of my demos. Yeah. And my average order was like 100, 150 bucks. And so I'm panicking because I'm going to lose a bunch of money if I don't hit quota. So I take Angela with me. I do four of the demos with Angela with me because I'm like, well, if they see that I have like, you know, my girlfriend <laughs> with me, maybe they'll be more like interested in buying, you know, yeah. and I strike out on all four of them. Oh, geez. All four of them. I have, I'm like, what am I going to do? So I go to my last demo mm -hmm. and I'm in my car and I close my eyes, take a couple deep breaths and I'm like, okay, like I'm going to do the very best presentation I've ever done in this, in this, uh, in this house. Yeah. Right. And whatever happens, happens, but like whatever it takes, like I'm going to make sure it's the very best I've ever done. Mm -hmm. So I go in there and we're chopping food up and, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about baseball. They had like a baseball wreath on their door and uh, I ended up selling like a $2,500 order, hit my bonus. Mm. Everything goes like perfect, you know, like. Got it done. Yeah. Got the deal done. Yep. Went to Smith's, got ice cream and a red box <laughs> 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 and went and hung out with, uh, with Angela afterwards. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. a, that's a fond memory I have. So how'd you eventually decide to do pest control? So Connor Ruggio, he's yeah. the CEO of Ambia Solar now. Mm -hmm. um, and so he calls me up 2014, middle of, middle of June, maybe like June 20th, June 25th. Okay. The term had just ended and he says, hey, I know I called you and you said you didn't want to do a meeting, but Garth gave me your number again and I'm actually going to be in Provo uh, in two days, are you willing to meet up? I said, no, I'm not willing to meet. <laughs> we hang up. Okay. Yeah. Two days later at around 1145, he calls me, he says, Hey, do you want to grab lunch? I'm like, dude, I told you, like, I'm not really interested yeah. and I'm really busy this week. I, I truthfully, my calendar was wide open. I could have done lunch at any time, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm really busy this week. I'm a super important 22 year old kid, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yeah. school and stuff. And he yeah. says, and he says, no, do you want to get lunch right now? Uh, and it's 1145 and I'm kind of hungry and I'm like, yeah, sure. Sure. And he's like, I'm like, where do you want to go? He's like, spicy Thai. He's like, but meet me at the office. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll meet him at the office. But I thought it was kind of stupid. I'm like, why can't I just meet you at Spicy Thai? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so Connor was Connor was good. Yeah. So I go to the office, and there's all these glass windows everywhere. It's super sexy office. I'm looking around. Connor has his own office. And I'm like, holy cow, this is way better than Cucko's office. This is <laughs> this is immaculate. Like, what's going on here? Like, maybe maybe people do make money here. Yeah. 
Connor uh, brings me out to his car. We don't do anything at the office. I'm like, why did you bring me to the office? Like, there's literally, like, like we did nothing here. I had to meet you here to go to Spicy Tut. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But what Connor was doing was getting me in the door to, like, see the office, see the glass, see the, see yeah. the appeal. Mm-hmm. So then we get in his car. It's this, like, sweet Jaguar. And I'm like, how old are you, Connor? He's, like, 26. And I'm like, dang, my Cutco manager is, like, 33 and drives a Nissan Altima. <laughs> like, this guy must be doing it, you know? Yeah. Like, something's going on with this guy. So we go to Spicy Thai, and uh, we come back to the office, and we have a little meeting after. Mm-hmm. So he kind of sucked me into another hour, you know, with him. Yeah. And I told him, hey, I'm going to Canada next month. I just got home for my mission. I haven't seen my grandma and grandpa for you know, so such and such years, you know, three-year missions, four years. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my mom already paid for, you know, the plane tickets. And uh, he asked a lot of good questions and kind of found, like, out the type of personality I was. And what I really respect about Connor is he says to me, it would be a waste of talent for you not to do this job, and you would kick yourself if you didn't come do this because you would stunt your growth and your ability to build for your future. And you're a man now, not a kid. Uh, yeah. Hit you with some inspirational stuff, not just look at these numbers, all oh, money. Yeah. 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 Like he hit my, he hit like my, my heart chords, right? Mm-hmm. So I called my mom. I said, hey, I'm sorry about the ticket. I'll pay you back at the end of the summer. This is a chance for me to make a name for myself, a chance for me to make good money, a chance for me to like build a foundation so I can be totally independent from you. I can get married to Angela, like... Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this thing. So two days later, I went out to Houston. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I respect about Connor in that situation is he didn't pander to me. Right. A lot of recruiters pander, they pander. when they're trying to build their, their sales force or recruit. They mm-hmm. tell them what they want to hear. Or they drop the standards they're willing to put up with in order to get a rep. Right? Agreed. Connor didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, for you to hit this goal, you're going to have to skip that vacation in Canada. Mm-hmm. you're better than what you're saying you are. Yeah, You've got to align your life with what your goals are. Right now, you're making decisions that are out of alignment with your goals. I'm going to lead you to where you want to go. And that made me instantly respect Connor and view him as a leader. Well, I think it, uh, I think it says something about your belief in what you're offering. You know what I mean? Uh, it sounds like he valued the opportunity so much. Yeah. It's like... No, dude, this is this is very serious. This is more serious than your vacation, actually. Yeah. This is more serious than X, Y, and Z. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's so good that I don't have to throw in little pander-type sweeteners to get you to do this. Yeah. 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 So two instances of leadership that made a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. Matt Ewan, like, showing me what my potential was, mm-hmm. challenging me to step up. Connor Ruggio challenging me to step up. Hey, you're making decisions out of alignment with your goals. Let's, let's course correct. Mm-hmm. And, you know, luckily I had the courage to follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, but so grateful for those two guys. Really. Yeah. So how'd you do in Houston? Uh, I sucked my first three days. I didn't do well. In fact, that Sunday I had like this panic attack and told Connor I wanted to quit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love those. Stories, <laughs> so I was like, dude, I'm out. And so me and Connor sit down in his apartment for, you know, probably an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, look, he's like, you haven't given the job a chance. Do it the right way. Read the manual. Get up in the morning on time. Go to bed on time. Work all the hours. Do this, this, and this. And if you can honestly say that you did this, this, and this after a week and you don't like it, I'll let you go home. 
And so I started reading the manual, watching the videos, working the hours right, doing everything like I was supposed to. I was number one rep in the office that week. And uh, at the end of the week, I was like, hey, I'll, I'll stay. I'll finish this off. You know, when you recruit somebody, it's uh, it's not confrontational, but there's a little bit of a struggle of wills between you and the new kid. It's like you're trying to prove that your system works and they're trying to prove that it doesn't so that they can quit in good conscience. So it's it's funny because like they'll be down and you know your kind of like human instinct is to go comfort them but you actually have to say the reason you haven't had success is because you haven't done it right yet. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's almost like you you have to kick them while they're down but it's for their for their benefit because yeah. if if you let them think that they did it right well they did it right and didn't make sales so logically they ought to go home. But that's not how it went, you know? Yeah, no, I think, again, Connor didn't pander. Yeah. You know, he, he, he asked me to step up. And I think one of the things that, and this carries on to, like, multiple years of, of success and growth for me, mm-hmm. is, like, being vulnerable enough and being humble enough to accept correction and being willing to, like, try to do it the right way mm-hmm. when intellectually you know in your head, like, I didn't, I didn't do this the right way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and you have to be willing to like actually own up to that and face that, which is why I tell the story of like the missionary experience mm-hmm. and like they're, you know, confessing all my sins and, and, and all that stuff. Intellectual honesty. Man. Yeah. It's just yeah. being like super raw, honest and real with yourself mm-hmm. and actually viewing it. Like my wife and I got in a fight the other day mm-hmm. and she like, she like dropped like a, a stinger in there, you know, and it kind of <laughs> hurt my feelings. <laughs> and, you know, like I sat on it for a day, we talked and, um, like in all honesty, like there was truth in it, it was right. right? Yeah. yeah, there was truth in it. It's like, dang, like she's right, you know? Like I do, you know, do this and this and this. And mm-hmm. so if you're not willing to like look inward at yourself and be actually like truthfully, brutally honest with yourself, mm-hmm. um, then you're not going to have the success in life that you want to have in any aspect. Mm-hmm. And so being being uh, super vulnerable and being real, being honest, having integrity with yourself um, it, it allows you to be open for influence for you to step up. Mm-hmm. Nobody, nobody is self-made in my opinion. Nobody's self-made people. People are made by, by the advice that they get. And then, you know, they're self-made in terms of following it or they're self-made in terms of like the execution. Yeah. But we all, we all are influenced by, by the people that we surround ourselves with and the Absolutely. leaders that, that help us. Mentors. So you kill it your first year. And then is you do you do you go out with the team immediately your second year? Yeah. So second yeah. year I recruited 17 reps. Okay. We go out for, to DC, we crush it, have a phenomenal summer. Yes. And um biggest lesson I learned that year was it's never about money. It's all about value and it's all about growth and it's all about making an impact. Mm-hmm. And we focused on that and we did a great job and we built an awesome team and we crushed it. We dominated, did super well. Yeah. Um Game-changing summer. And then the next summer, Aptive released the marketing deal. You know, yeah. so your ability to make money and, and, you know, you have a set percentage and then you you pay out reps at a lower percentage and that's how you make your overrides. And, you, you know, you pay for expenses. Oh, I didn't realize that was new then. Yeah, 2016 was the first year. Yeah. And that's when I recruited you, actually. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so that year... 
I had a spreadsheet and I was counting my dollars. And that year I got crushed. My teams did uh, not do well. Um, I didn't I didn't have the same impact when I trained. Were were you counting your money before you'd made it? Uh oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Okay. You know, didn't didn't view the reps in the same way that I viewed them the year before as like yeah. people and like and like people I wanted to invest my time in, make an impact with. It was like, how many of these people can we get? Can we just get people? Yeah. So we recruited, like we went, we went crazy. We went from 17 reps to 72 reps, but I completely failed. We were all noobs and, you know, that was the only time I did pest control. So I don't know how normal or out of the norm this is, but there was like you, Dylan, and uh, Dylan's brother-in-law. I forget his name. Uh, Justin, I think, right? There was like three guys who knew what they were doing. Yeah. And yeah. 20 who didn't, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what happens when you grow too fast. Yeah. Less than everybody out there. Don't grow too fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you measure that? Like, well, I, I always kind of view it as like, are there enough experienced people to manage and to like give mentorship to the new people? Mm -hmm. um, Cause if you don't have enough, if you have the blind leading the blind, like it's going to be bad. Right. So yeah. and if you don't have enough experienced people, you know, to, to give support, uh -huh. then what happens is all those new people don't get the support they need or the impact they need. Cause you can't, you can't do it all yourself. Yes. And that's one of the things I learned. I can't teach everybody myself. Another lesson I learned other leaders that had, were doing different teams for me, didn't want it the same way that I wanted it the first year. They weren't as attentive to detail as I was. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to like be realistic in terms of the people that you're hiring, the people that you're looking at, do they want it as bad as they need to? Are they as detailed uh, as they need to be in order to run a team and to run run a run an office, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I realize that that's just not true. Not everybody is at the same level. That's a tough one, man. I, I deal with that all the time because there's like, well, why don't they just do it like I do it? It's like, well, if they did it like I do it, they might not work under me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, to what well, to what true. extent is that life? To what extent can you mitigate it? It's a it's a tough question to settle. Yeah, yeah. So it was a bad year. It was a bad year. Half the reps quit. Mm -hmm. I made less money with seventy two reps than I did with seventeen reps oh. because the production was so bad. Tough stat. And again, I'm like, I'm like feeling all sorry for myself, like, oh, I'm so hard done by, and I'm like, I'm changing companies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is all Aptus' fault. This is all Connor's fault. I'm yeah. changing, right? And um, I never knew that part. That's funny. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I email Vess Pearson, the CEO of Aptiv, and I'm like, hey, I'm out. Yeah, wow. And Vess, Vess calls me and is like, dude, you need to talk. I'm like, I'll talk, but I'm not going to the Aptiv office. So Vess comes to my house, mm -hmm. okay, sits me down. It's just me and him. My wife was at school, and I just break down in front of him. I'm like, dude, I failed. Like, I don't even, like, why should I work for you guys? You guys are so good, and you do this, this, and this. And I, I'm a failure, right? Mm. And so I'm going to go pivot, you know. And Vess, again, he was really empathetic with me, you know. He's like, but he didn't, he didn't pander. He wasn't like, you didn't fail. He was like, yeah, you did fail. He's like, but here's why. A, B, C, D. Yeah. We, know, we, we know just how to help you. Here are some lessons you need to learn. Mm -hmm. And then and then he said to me, like, if you leave or you pivot, if you don't learn those lessons, you're going to face these same challenges wherever it is. Mm -hmm. So why don't you stay 
and let me mentor you through the lessons you need to learn. Mm-hmm. And why don't you own up and step up to to like what you need to fix? So another key moment where a leader like doesn't pander, but like gives real raw advice, and I have to make that decision like and looking inward like, no, this guy's wrong. I'm leaving or. No, he's right. Like, I did do this. I did do That's this. That's what I was going to say. I, I was going to say it was a good moment of self-honesty for you as well. You said you kind of broke down in front of him. It's like, well, at least you did that. You could have just been closed off and been like, no, nah, man, I quit. I quit. Totally. You know? Totally. And, you know, you know, a lot of people don't think that you should always, like, reveal, like, your your uh, feelings and stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, you might get taken advantage of or whatnot. I've actually found the opposite. The more transparent, honest, and true you are, mm-hmm. the better off you are in most situations. Yeah, because you can be understood. Somebody will be... Um, you know, not treating you how you would want to be treated and it's out of ignorance because you didn't tell them. Yeah, be yeah. real. And then like, you know, be, again, be humble enough to like actually look inward and say, okay, there's some, there's some things I got to fix. So I stayed, mm-hmm. I stayed. And um, dude, next year, 2017 was the year. So that was the year. And And I really wanted to ask this because, okay, Generally speaking, you know, if the story is all just perfect, you go out as a rep, you crush it. The next year you recruit your team partially by saying, I'm a rep who crushes it. I can teach you how to do this. So, you know, it's like you recruit because you're successful and you're successful because you recruit. Yeah. So how, how do you go recruit well on the tail of a bad year? Yeah. Oh, like, how'd, how'd you do it? So we didn't recruit as many reps. Yes. That was, in all honesty, it was hard because we didn't have like a bunch of stats we could point to and be like, oh, here's how much we, we crushed. Mm-hmm. It was more like, hey, here's a vision for what I think we can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Here, here's what I'm planning on. Here is the plan. I need reps that fit this plan and fit this culture. Mm-hmm. So that year, what I realized is if I set a vision, I create a plan and I create uh, an environment in which people can uh, like like agree with that plan and feel inspired by that plan, uh, then you you surround yourself with the right people and that that group creates synergy and then it kind of speaks it into existence. A lot more buy-in, less yeah, transactional. Yeah, totally. Way yeah. more buy-in. So I went back to what value can I add to the people that we lead? Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know what? Our role, my role as a human in this industry is to help people fulfill their potential. And so we're going to fulfill people's potential through sales. Now, I might not have the best sales team in the world. Mm -hmm. There might be other more talented teams. But gosh dang it, our team is going to get every ounce out of the summer. Mm -hmm. Like we're going to, like every single rep is going to work harder than they've ever worked. Mm -hmm. Is going to be more mentally tough than anybody else in the company. It's going to have a better attitude than anybody else in the company. Mm -hmm. And we're going to train like crazy. And if we do those four things... Everything will take care of itself. Yeah. And so we just focus on adding value to the reps, adding value to the reps, and holding people accountable to what their full potential was. Mm-hmm. And we went out and dominated. I think we were the highest volume team in the company that year. Yeah. Um, like number three on like per rep average. Yeah. Where'd you um, go? Washington, D.C. Oh, nice. Yeah, Northern Virginia. Yeah. Love that place. Mm-hmm. Uh, best team. In fact, that team it's all disbanded now, right? Like yeah. many people have left or, yeah. you know, there's a couple guys that are still adaptive and, you know, have big downlines and stuff, but like that team still connects to this day. We still hang out. There's still little side pockets of conversations or like friend pockets that, that, 
that are you know have each other's backs and stuff it's, yeah it's like made such a big impact on my life and hopefully on theirs too yeah um but coming from that year we fi- figured out how to replicate it and then from there it was okay how do we how do we scale that 50 people how do we scale that to 300 people yeah and get your managers running it the same way you would or closer yes. closer to how you would run it yes uh-huh Yes. So that was, that was crazy. So then the next year, 2018, uh, we do a really good job doing it. We double our volume, mm-hmm. you know, like we had a hundred reps go out or whatever. And, uh, that year was challenging. Another, another hard lesson. So everybody always thinks it's like, it's like, you know, roses and butterflies, you know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. on, your, on your, on your path. But uh-huh. that year I had a rep who recruited a group that was kind of, kind of sly. Okay. And this group of reps, what they did is they started, they basically started selling vacant houses and paying service pros to spray them. And they put in a prepaid card to get it through the apps. And so all of those accounts were past due, but we had paid large amounts of money up front. And so we ended up being, like, I ended up losing. These dudes are so creative. I I couldn't have even thought of that. Well, it's great. (laughs) If if, if you put that much effort into that, it's like, dude, how much could you sell? Yeah, just just normal. Yeah, yeah, it was a a weird group of guys. So lessons learned. You have to be careful who you hire. Yeah. You have to monitor your systems. Mm -hmm. I ended up losing like $80,000 that year in earnings because. From that Yeah, because we paid an entire group a bunch of commission there wasn't even enough back end to collect it out yeah there were there were no revenues to back it up right so um got to be careful who you hire got to be careful who you let in the hen house right can't let any wolves in so you got to be a little more selective so it used to be just recruit anybody right and then it then it it changed from okay we got to recruit not only we have to recruit talented people you know 2015, you recruit a bunch of people that aren't aren't necessarily talented, right? Mm-hmm. Too many rookies, and we get crushed. Mm-hmm. 2017, we hire a bunch of really talented people with like the same core values, right? Mm-hmm. 2018, we focus on only hiring really good salespeople, but we hire some salespeople who aren't ethical or don't match with the the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, boom, get hit. So now it's like, okay, we've got it figured out. You got to recruit the right people. Mm-hmm. They believe the same things you believe. They fit into the culture, and they're talented. And that's the that's the mix right there for you to be able to scale things. Um, without that, you can't you can't truly scale anything or, or build anything or grow anything. And you can't keep your people sticky um, because things become kind of thwarted and, and turnover. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's um, it's funny. Like you want to be able to take a chance on people sometimes, but it's like. You have to be taking a chance. On, I don't know what the exact percent is, but you know, maybe ten percent of your reps can be fifty-fifty. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I don't. And if the ninety percent are great, then it's okay. But then if it's like thirty percent, it's questionable. Then all of a sudden, there's like a group of them that have banded together, and yeah, you know, they only want to knock with each other. And well, um, it's even, hard to even, go after them because they're a group. and Even the 10%, man, like it's like cancer that kind of can spread, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful. Yeah. You have to be so careful. And so, I mean, one of the things that I think we did a really good job at Aptive in the last year is we've been a lot more, um, a lot more cognizant and a lot more uh, focused on making sure that like, the values align with all the reps, right? And mm-hmm. not trying to, not trying to just go after everyone and anyone in the industry, but be be selective on the right people 
who believe the same things we believe, and then just doing things the right way, right? Um, you know, because for years the industry got kind of like bloodthirsty and a lot of companies didn't do things the right way. You kind of see that now. There's a lot of companies struggling. Or Yeah, you're in race to the bottom price wars yeah. with companies who have taken out so much margin that they'll be under next year, but... Yeah. Bottom level reps don't know that. Yeah. A so. lot of companies are over, <laughs> a lot of companies are over leveraged now, you know? And, and so, um, yeah, you just gotta, you gotta do business the right way. So it kind of goes back to everything we've been talking about, right? Like having integrity, mm-hmm. being willing to look inward, being willing to, you know, like, like look at yourself, take the advice and then, and then actually doing business the right way. And when you do it the right way, you win. And when you don't do it the right way, eventually you, uh, you fail or something happened. It was, a, it was a tough lesson for me to learn just generally speaking when I was younger, you know, I, I studied economics in school. I, I'm definitely like kind of analytical. So when I was a kid, I would just look at stuff like, Oh, like, you know, this is like the easiest way to maximize utility, maximize my profits. I'll make the most money this way. And then as you get older, it's like, no, like I want to do business with people with a good track record who I trust. I want to be able to do handshake deals and still feel good about it. Just uh, I want to bank on repeat business and history mm-hmm. rather than this is the only time we're ever going to see each other. It's just, you know, these little life principles you pick up along the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think in America, like as a society, businesses uh, get too focused on like every little penny that can be squeezed and pinched from every little place. Mm-hmm. And they forget about the hearts of the employees and the people and the customers, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta have both. If you don't have like the logical, like watch your dollars side of the business, then mm-hmm. like you go out of business, right? Or, or or if you if you don't pay attention to it and you're just you know buying your employees, like it you can't you can't do it, right? So you've got to have both. Where like you're watching your dollars and you're aligning your dollars with with the people and with the customers. But then you have to you have to make sure that you're doing things right by the customers and right by the employees too. Mm-hmm. Because if you have the hearts of your employees, you have the hearts of your customers, and you're doing the math right and you're running the numbers right, then there's this synergistic thing that happens where you can just churn profits. But if you're if you're missing any of those things, you don't have you can't ever build any momentum. Dude, sometimes there's conversations I'll have where somebody'll call me and they'll be like, Hey, um, me or this customer or this rep, for whatever reason, they should get this little chunk of money, you know, fill in the blank, anything. And I honestly tune out the rest of the conversation after I hear the small number we're talking about. It's not because I don't care. I, I could be one, two, five percent getting taken advantage of, to be honest. But I'm just like, this isn't a big enough number for me to care about counting with you. Like, I want to have a relationship where we don't count. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, when you maintain goodwill, you go forward into the future doing new deals at, you know, whatever industry, you're in, 20, 40, 70% profit margin. I would rather maintain our goodwill and do new deals at big old profit margins rather than care about this 0.1% with you right now. It's kind of how I am. Yeah. It might, might sound naive. Yeah. I give away money all the time, but whatever. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, so that said... You know, I think I've always been very giving, and yeah. very open to like, I'm in a spot where I can, I can make this like good for you. Yeah. There's a balance between that and then, and then pandering, right? Or right. like, or like, 
like if it depends on the motive. If the motive is like, if I don't do this, you're going to do this or hold this over me, then in that situation, it might not be a good idea to to do it, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's out of goodwill and out of just, you know, That's the giving thing, from right? your heart and like making it making it the right thing, then then yeah, that that type of stuff makes sense to me. That's the thing, right? It's like like with what I just said, like if 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 you talk to a dude once a year about some little minor money details, like I don't care, man. It, it's paid. Approve it, you know, whatever. But then if it's the same guy every time, it's like, why are you always counting pennies with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It, this isn't reciprocal. Yeah. yeah, you're not you're not giving me the same goodwill that I've given you. So okay, at this point, we have to look at the relationship and see if this is a place where you we can work together. Because do you and I actually believe the same things and have the same yeah, values? Yeah. Do we? You know. And again, maybe this is naive, but I I just try to operate in like a super high trust way. Like I. Frankly, I don't check things that I should check a lot of the time. <laughs> but yeah, it's like if if I feel like I must check you, like let's just not have you around. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I you know, in my faith, I believe God is just and uh-huh. perfect. Yeah. And I believe that he's also very merciful. Mhm. You know, and so it's like how do you do both? <laughs> how do you do both? Like, you know, you look at it like you know, the creation of the earth, creation of humans, right? It's like, okay, we're creating business. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do, how do we how do we live both just and merciful at the same time? Super weird dichotomy that you have to constantly be like balancing. It's tough. Um, but again, if you're looking inward and you're like trying to figure it out and you are being smart and again, you're going back to like, okay, do the numbers make sense? Do I have the hearts of my people? Am I doing right? Am I doing things the right way? Uh-huh. Both those make sense. You can usually get through most decisions. And what I tell people all the time is, you have a brain, mm-hmm. and you're you're an enlightened person, and you can figure things out, right? Like you can you can figure it out. And so, you know, I I don't know what the right answer, the wrong answer is in terms of this topic necessarily, yeah. but I do know that like everybody can figure it out and should try and do the right thing and what they think is right and then hold to it and also be open to it being wrong yeah, and changing, you yeah. know, at yeah. the same yeah. time too. So anyway. So what was the last year we left off on? Y'all go kill it in Northern Virginia again. Yes. So yeah, 2018, we kind of went through that like cycle of like kind of hiring in good sales reps, bad people kind of a thing. Or right. I wouldn't even call them bad people, honestly. Like bad fits. And in, in all in all reality, like I truthfully don't think that people are bad. Yeah. I think that there's bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But I think almost everyone genuinely like tries to do the right thing. I think people just get put in situations or sometimes they succumb to 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 making bad decisions. And part of that's because I made so many bad decisions. So how can I judge people you know, when I've been in a spot where I hope nobody was judging me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, after that year in 2018, we ended up just growing. Mm-hmm. We we grew and we grew and we grew and we were able to figure out how to scale it. And our big secret sauce was was hire people that believe the same things you believe, have the same values that you have, and are talented. Mm-hmm. And let's go with those two things. And when we hired people that weren't talented or didn't didn't believe, and it was very rare that we did, those teams tended to not do so well. But the teams that did really well were the ones that actually believed what we believed and were talented. And that, and then the third part that we kind of added in from 2019 to 22 was sell high quality accounts, mm-hmm. sell with integrity, 
Make sure that you are selling with the the intent to retain the account. Yeah. Set good expectations and do things in the right way. And um, at Aptive, our group ended up having the highest retention for multiple years in a row, having the highest lifetime value multiple years in a row, um, highest multi-year contracts multiple years in a row, all the metrics that matter in terms of making the money stuff work. Yeah, long-term profitability. Uh, ex exactly. And yep. so that's that's part of that's part of I think where a lot of my success came was just trying to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a it's a battle, dude. It's a battle. Like you're always you're always thrown temptations to do things the wrong way. You're always thrown like your ego gets in the way or like there's like a situation and you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this the right way, right? Or I don't like the way that guy talked to me. So therefore, you know, I'm going to kind of keep that in my back pocket, right? Yeah. And you, you're you always faced with those things. You have to delete those things out of your mind and you always have to, 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 to think in terms of what's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. What's the right thing to do? Let's balance the money side, mm -hmm. the logic side, and then let's balance the heart side too. Like if I make this decision... Okay, will I have that person's heart? Yep. Okay. If I have their heart, how much more can they can they get us? How much more can they produce if we have their hearts? Mm -hmm. Versus this little smidget of cash over here, right? Yeah. So there's there's this balancing act, right? Well, short term and long term, right? Yeah. I bet those temptations in most moments, they're a, a moment where you think you could squeeze a smidgen more money out of something right now, but what's it going to do for you eventually, right? Yeah, yeah. So y y anyway, you're always going to be faced with difficulties and challenges, and you constantly have to ask yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. And you should always try and do the right thing. And you're not going to be perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. There was a moment where a rep left, and... I called that rep and I said some things to that rep that were not in line with what I believe. And I regret that. I actually got lunch with him yesterday mm. and we talked and I apologized for that. Yeah. Um, it's cool. But you know, I'm not perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but you can, you can, you can always fix everything, right? You can always fix the things that you mess up and you can always apologize and own up to the things you don't do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we've talked a lot about character today, but huh? I think Love I think it. I think the overall like idea and and message that I really want to share today is if is if you're true to yourself, you'll go places, and if you stay true to yourself, you'll go even further. <laughs> and along the way, there'll be people that help you, and you should appreciate them, and and uh, there'll be there'll be moments that really like hurt too. And you just keep on going. And if you just keep on going, you'll eventually get where you want to go. Boom. Mic drop. Love it, dude. Love it. So, Donnie, if people want to find you, where can they Where can they do that? Instagram, social media, all that? Yeah. Stuff? So you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Donnie Mosier. Um, yeah, that's my handle. So you can follow me on Instagram. Always open to chat. Always open to give back, give advice, lead. Always open to receive feedback, too. So... Anyways, yeah, find me, reach out. I'd I'd love to chat. Perfect. Thanks, Thanks for, for having coming, me man. on. Yeah, absolutely. seriously, thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, it's been great to catch up with you, dude. It's a pleasure. Yeah.